0: This year's International Women's Day campaign theme is Choose to Challenge. We can all choose to challenge and call out gender bias and inequality. We can all choose to seek out and celebrate women's achievements. Collectively, we can all help create an inclusive world. As our contribution to this year's International Women's Day, we continue the series with a candid discussion with Carrie House, Head of Regulatory at Open Signal. Carrie, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO.
1: Hi, my name is Carrie House, and I'm the head of regulatory at OpenSignal.
0: Okay, so let's start off with the IWD 2021 theme, which is choose to challenge. How would you push
1: this message
0: as a leader in technology or, or actually in any, in the, uh, any line or, or any business then?
1: Yeah, well, thanks for that question. I think it's a an interesting theme this year. We obviously are facing as a planet a lot of challenges right now. <laughs> so I think this can be taken in a number of different ways. But I guess to just caveat this, the context in which I'm speaking and working in is very much a bit more narrow than tech sector as a whole. So I've spent the bulk of my career specifically in in telecoms and within that I've looked uh, largely at kind of the underlying challenges that we face in the telecom sector when it comes to providing connectivity. Whether that is spectrum access or that's kind of a whether that's looking at issues towards usage and you know whether applications are, are relevant to people. So I think I don't want to speak for kind of all women in the tech sector because I have a very kind of narrow range that that I've worked in. But for me personally, I think when we're talking about choosing the challenge, I think we really have to start with kind of what the statistics are. So we know that globally women make up about 27% of the workforce uh, in in executive positions in in our industry, and that's kind of across software and IT broadly. But from a leadership perspective, I think in telecoms, our average of women in leadership roles, so kind of VP and above, is hovering around 20%, 2020. 21%, 1% which in my view is just not good enough <laughs> Uh, you know, we represent 50% of the world's population, and I think it's it's just good business to see this as one of the challenges that our industry in particular faces. So that's quite a low percentage when you look across other industries. Um, you know, the telco sector still has a long way to go. Uh, we've made progress, but I think we still have a long way to go. So I think International Women's Day is an opportunity to highlight that challenge. It's not our only opportunity to do that, though. So I think it's one day in the calendar where we can really kind of set Celebrate the women in this industry, or we celebrate women around the world, but but in this context, in the telecom sector. But also be quite honest with ourselves in terms of what the barriers are that are preventing either more women coming into this sector or women kind of developing their careers into a senior leadership position. So I think really, to me, choosing the challenge is largely about understanding and identifying the challenge to begin with, and and what those barriers are in the different contexts we work in. So that's quite important to me, and I've spent a lot of my career trying to understand, as a woman that cares about having other women in this sector, how we can start addressing some of those challenges.
0: Given the near-term issues around pandemic containment and the return to the next normal, is this diverting from the importance of recognizing and promoting women leaders in technology or telecom and transformation?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think broadly speaking, the pandemic is diverting attention away from a lot of things. However, I think I generally try to not approach problems in a binary way. So, you know, this is a very complex global challenge we're facing, as is the importance of recognizing and promoting women leaders in technology. You know, there, there aren't kind of, there isn't one way to look at it. So I think whereas the pandemic has taken a lot of, and rightfully so, attention from governments and from leaders in business and from everyday, you know, consumers, um, it's also really stimulated a discussion and a, and a awareness around, I think, the role that women play, both within their professional contexts and their home contexts. And we've seen this line between, you know, home and work be blended even more because we are, I mean, for the most part, I at least have been working from home for the last year. So I think in a way it's given more visibility to leaders within the industry, across industries, across sectors, that at the end of the day, we're people and we have kind of human lives that we lead. And oftentimes we know that women in this context globally are by far taking the brunt of the responsibilities in the home when it comes to doing the homeschooling and they're doing the childcare and they're trying to hold full-time jobs down. And I think, you know, the pandemic has really highlighted this juggling act that many, many, many women and women in leadership face because we're all at home and it's pretty visible now. So on one hand, I think it naturally will divert attention away from the issue because it's diverted attention away from lots of issues. But on the other hand, I see it as a really fantastic opportunity to have some pretty frank and honest discussions about how businesses can work better and be more flexible so that both women and men step into those roles in a way that's more equal and balanced.
0: How has digital transformation changed the role of women in leadership positions?
1: I think it's changed our role, but I think also for many women, it's the way that we use digital tools. We've been able, many women have been able to use them to our benefit. So kind of, as I was just saying, I think there's quite a lot of research to point to the way that women engage with digital tools. I was reading a report last night, I think it was from the OECD a few years ago, about how globally speaking, you know, women are much more likely to use digital tools to network. We tend to be more, and this is a complete generalization, so I need to caveat that, but we, we we tend to be more willing to use online tools to do things um, like address medical issues. So in this world where everything, I mean almost literally everything has shifted online, I do think that the, the digitization of society is something that absolutely women can use to our benefit. From a leadership position, it's also a, you know, been very interesting being in a, in a leadership role which is heavily reliant on engagement. I work in the kind of regulatory and policy space. I spend most of my days on calls with regulators or government departments And before I would spend a huge amount of time traveling for a long, long time. I covered kind of policy and regulatory issues in sub-Saharan Africa, and I'd be on a plane every two weeks. This global pandemic, I'm really, again, trying to see it as an opportunity. I can jump on a call with someone in Hong Kong and I can have a call with you. And then in two hours, I've got a call with someone in London. And then in a few more hours, I've got a call with someone in Latin America somewhere. So actually, I really see this awful situation that we found ourselves in you know, around the world as, you know, I'm trying to see it as an opportunity to break down some of those historical barriers to accessing you know, people in government and use the fact that we're relying on digital tools to have more open conversations and to get access to individuals who in the past you know, would require me jumping on a long-haul flight and being away from home for a week. In my experience as a woman in a leadership position, that's been a huge benefit for me.
0: What qualities stand out when it comes to women telecom or technology leaders?
1: I have a little bit of beef with this question, though. <laughs> So I would caveat this with, and with all due respect, I think for me, in in my experience, the same qualities stand out with male technology leaders. So I think that if we really are going to get to the bottom of this challenge, we need to try and move away from kind of reinforcing gender stereotypes and thinking of leaders as female leaders as this and male leaders as this. I think we really should be aspiring to just good leadership and looking at what those qualities are across genders. Everyone's individual, everyone has their different strengths and weaknesses, but in my view, I've had just as many fantastic male bosses as I have female bosses. My mentors are really a pretty even split. So I really see this as an opportunity to kind of look at the values and kind of characteristics in a kind of more constructive way to say this cuts across gender. So for me, some of those um, things that I can point to that I've had in my career uh, in terms of bosses, which have really displayed characteristics I find really aspirational are people that really listen, that actively listen, not just kind of wait for the next person to say something so they can get their word in. And I think humility in particular is a really underrated quality in our industry. Again, I'm going back to my positions that have required a lot of engagement. You know, I can't just walk into a, an office and expect to know everything about a country. I really need to do my research and I really need to listen and just stop and let people from that country kind of give me the guidance that I, I need. I think oftentimes, you know, we look at experts and expertise absolutely plays a fundamental role in decision making, but we also don't always consider as experts that we need to to kind of take on this uncertainty and and be a bit more humble and kind of be a bit more flexible. The other thing I think is really important is to kind of see the bigger picture. In the telecoms industry, we often silo ourselves into engineers or finance people or technical experts or policy people. And I found it very helpful over the course of my career to have a bit of a kind of personal mission statement and really think about what drives you. For me, again, as I said earlier, I'm really passionate about understanding what the kind of global and, and then specific barriers to connectivity are from a policy and regulatory perspective. So once you have that kind of solid personal understanding, I think you can make connections and be open to opportunities that might not always be the most obvious. I started my career working in solar energy and happened to be working in solar energy in a couple countries in sub-Saharan Africa and realized everyone had phones. And then I thought, huh, that's interesting. This seems like a really good way to reach people and improve people's lives and So I don't have an engineering background, but I kind of connected the dots between two seemingly quite disparate industries and and have made a career out of it. And then the other couple ones I would just say are be authentic, find kind of your authentic self and keep that kind of as your North star, so to speak. Be really comfortable making decisions and being accountable for those decisions. And I found that having kind of evidence to back that up and data uh, is something that's it's really essential for me. And then, of course, collaboration and communication, it's on every good leader's list. That's really essential, especially when you're working across different cultures and countries and, you know, levels of technical understanding. I think I can't understate that enough that not everyone is an engineer and being able to translate quite technical concepts to, you know, into political language or, you know, more consumer friendly languages is really important. And then my last one is really just to be able to think quickly, but kind of act carefully. It's something that's especially relevant in the kind of regulatory political space. We're balancing legacy regulations, which move quite slowly with an industry that moves quite quickly, trying to find the medium between that and be pragmatic with the pace that technology is moving at while still adopting that into regulatory or kind of legal language is something that we need to continue to do.
0: If I want to aspire towards a leadership role,
1: what qualifications should
0: I have to get me started into that path?
1: Yeah. So again, this is going to depend really on where within the sector you're interested in. So obviously, I, as I said, this is not a someone. I'm not speaking as someone that's an engineer. If I were an engineer, I would obviously need very specific qualifications to do that. Again, I think this is from a position of someone that's worked in technology and telecoms policy for a while. It's often more about skills and behaviors than qualifications. So I, you know, I have a degree in international relations and in business. I kind of have an understanding of the, the fundamentals of business, and I can read through a P and L and I you know, I understand what that means. But at the same time, those softer skills around collaboration and international engagement, understanding geopolitics and what that bigger picture is, um, have been essential for me because, you know, we often look in the tech space for technical solution as the silver bullet, and we don't consider what the bigger environment, the, the broader context is there. Um, you know, I would say within the regulatory and policy space, understanding what, you know, what's the geopolitical situation, having a really thorough grasp on, on how to break Something like that down. And then understanding how that translates into the technical considerations we're making is really important. I've done some training, um, some technical training. I think that is important. We, at the end of the day, are in a highly technical industry. And I think, you know, we know that the number of young women and girls coming into, you know, into STEM is low. We need to improve that number. So I think we can't discount the importance of kind of STEM education. And, and that's going to be essential, I think, in improving the number of women in, in leadership positions within the sector. Sector over time, that's going to take a while. <laughs> so for those of us that didn't have a hugely robust, you know, STEM early education, uh, we've got a lot of catching up to do. But again, I think it's really important that we stay flexible in that thinking. So keeping an eye on what's going on from an innovation perspective beyond our, our sector. I'm really interested in things beyond just mobile. <laughs> you know, I have many other interests. So keeping that kind of diverse range of interests and constantly learning, I think is is, is really important. Yeah. And then, you know, anytime you can find a mentor I don't think that hurts so that's again not a a specific qualification but I have learned more from my network than I will ever learn in a classroom It's, it's something that's kind of I would say one of my greatest assets and the thing one of the things I'm most proud of are the people that I've learned from
0: who in your mind best exemplify women technology leaders and why
1: I want to also say that from a leadership position, I think it's really important to recognize those of us that are in this position, the positions of privilege that some of us might have come from. And I think when we talk about women, we cannot talk about women as one homogenous group. So we really need to understand the kind of intersectional barriers that exist for, you know, women of lots of different types of backgrounds. You know, I'm a a white woman that was raised in the U.S. and then born in the U.K. That affords me certain privileges. I think it's really important that we don't talk about kind of women as this group group of people that have all had the same experience. And with that said, I really look up to a lot of women that I've worked with around the world. I'm so lucky um, to have this incredible network of women. I can pick up the phone in most countries I go to, and I work with someone there, which I'm really grateful for. I guess in the space that I work in, so again, we're talking about kind of technology policy, telecoms policy. Doreen Bogdan-Martin is the director of the Telecommunications Development Bureau at the ITU. She was the kind of first woman to be appointed into to that role, which is hugely exciting. And she's doing a a huge amount of great work uh, in emerging markets. The people I'm going to name are friends of mine. Mercy Ndegwa is uh, Facebook's head of public policy for East Africa and the Horn of Africa. She's doing amazing work and has spent time, you know, now she's in the kind of tech sector, but she's also spent time at Safaricom and a number of other telcos in Africa. Asmina Drodia is a senior policy manager on gender and data rights at the Web Foundation. Uh, She was at Amnesty International for a long, long time trying to understand the kind of issues we face as women when we're engaging on online platforms. Uh, She's doing really important work in this space to kind of formalize that into really critical policy discussions. And then Luciana Camargos, she's at the GSMA. She's their senior director of Future Spectrum. She leads all of the GSMA's work on kind of negotiating spectrum for the telecoms industry at an international level. And she's an engineer. I really credit Luciana with helping me kind of understand this world of spectrum in my early stages of my career. You know, it's women like that that I, will always be grateful for and I kind of try to do the same thing for for people that are coming up behind me I think it's really important to not pull the ladder up behind you so to speak
0: if you have to pick one lesson one leadership lesson you've learned in your career what would it be
1: listen Definitely to listen. I think I really believe that to be a good leader, you you really have to stop talking sometimes and listen to what people are saying. I've done a lot of work in emerging markets, and I think this is something I'm quite passionate about. When tech companies go into new markets, they often have a vision of what's worked in their head in in maybe kind of industrialized economies and will push that idea, uh, you know, without stopping to really, and I mean, really take their time and listen and, and adapt the product in a way that's user-focused and taking into context things like history and politics and all the kind of uncomfortable discussions that we need to have, I think this absolutely applies to the tech sector as well. So really listening, I think, is the number one thing.
0: As a female executive yourself, uh, what has been the most significant barrier in your career?
1: I don't really think it's because I'm a woman. I think the pace that technology is changing at, I think, is something that it is a challenge uh, for us all. And the nature of innovation, it's the second you get your head around something, then you have a next thing coming out two weeks later. So I think the ability, I think it can be a challenge to kind of not be overloaded with information in this space. There are so many interesting and exciting things going on. So to have focus and balance in your career, I think, is something that's really essential. And that it's okay to have an area of expertise that doesn't mean you're kind of pigeonholing yourself. Um, I think that's something that I've had to really learn and I'm interested in so many things. So I, I think really trying to focus uh, is is something that can be a challenge across the industry, um, definitely.
0: In terms of advice that you'd give to the next generation of female leaders, I mean, you listed listen as one of the best traits that you find
1: put yourself out there, be confident. And I know that's easier said than done, but we know that women, there's a lot of research that shows when a woman looks at a job description, she tends to think that she needs to hit every single bullet point on the job description. And when a man looks at a job description, they will often look at kind of 50% of the bullet points of the qualifications and say, yeah, I meet most of those. I'm going to go for it anyway. So the woman that I mentor and my younger female friends in this industry and outside of this industry, I always say to them, You know, what's the harm in trying? Put yourself out there. And And you'd be amazed at how many people are kind of living by this fake it till you make it uh, mentality. I think it's it's a huge barrier to women in this this industry in terms of having the confidence to just make that jump, make that connection, even if it doesn't seem obvious, and get comfortable talking to people. A lot of people really hate networking, and that's fine. Find your own way to network. Then you know, find your own way. If, it, if if you really don't want to stand around, I mean, we're not doing that right now. But if you don't want to go to some evening event, make small chat over a you know bad glass of wine, then find another way to network. <laughs> Um, I think it's it's really important that we develop our networks because, you know, in this world we live in, it's, it's for me at least, it's one of my, my, as I said, my greatest assets.
0: Any advice to share on entering a male-dominated profession?
1: I think it's tricky. Uh, so much is dependent on the on the leadership you have. So I would say find allies, whether they're male or female. Uh, don't expect, you know, just because someone's a woman, I would say don't expect her to be a good ally as well. Um, I, as I said, I have many, many mentors in this industry who are men, uh, who took a risk on me, hired me, and have really given me some great advice along the way. Don't become a mentee to tick a box. Really think through what you're trying to get out of mentorship. It's, it's not someone to vent to. You need to have some pretty tangible outcomes outcomes you want to see from that relationship. And, you know, just as every, in my view, you know, every friend you have brings a different positive element to your life. Every mentor I've had has brought different strengths uh, to my career. So I think if you're looking at mentorship, really be clear on what you want to get out of that relationship and make sure you're kind of respecting their time, but also look beyond kind of just female leaders too. There are a lot of great leaders out there, regardless of of our gender. Yeah. and, And as I said, I think we'll hear things you don't want to hear. And, you know, I got introduced, to the CEO of a Fortune 500 company once as Little Lady a major conference. And to me, that was a, that, that's a real like point in my career. I can point to where I thought, okay, I need to speak out against these things. It's not okay to to use that kind of language. You need to think through how, where is your line? You know, what are you okay with and what are you not okay with? And again, I think really investigate companies you're joining and understand their culture and, and think through, is this somewhere where if there is a problem, there's space to to voice it, you know, until women in tech have space within our companies to have these re- really important and sometimes really uncomfortable discussions not not a whole lot is going to change unfortunately (laughs) we need to have those discussions in a kind of constructive way but we also there's a great analogy i was listening to a podcast yesterday desert island Disc podcast and there's an analogy of a the former deputy governor of the bank of england she is a brilliant leader and and she's now at the LSE, and she uses this metaphor of a sticky door versus a glass ceiling so the idea is if you have a glass ceiling the assumption is once a woman bursts through that glass ceiling then it makes super easy for all these other women to come flooding through and everything's wonderful and great. And that's really not how it works in real life. Um, and she has this fantastic metaphor where she says, you know, instead, try to think of it as a sticky door where, you know, you've got this door and you're pushing on it as a woman, you're pushing in it. And it is a large part up to us to keep pushing on that door, but you need other people on the other side of that door to help you out with it. You need to find allies within your company. You need to find mentors, whether that's within your company or outside. Uh, you need to really do your due diligence on leadership within, you know, organizations Organizations you're joining so that that door can be opened, versus it can keep closing, but it needs to, it needs someone else on their side to be pulling on it as well.
0: Kerry, thank you very much for joining me on Podchats for Future CIO.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Alan. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you.
0: That was Kerry House, head of regulatory at OpenSignal on the topic of women in leadership in the digital era. You are listening into Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, Simply email us at editors@society.com. At We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our weekly free newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.